Yes, you are tuned into Pod Like a Hole. Uh, this is our second season, and every season we an artist and review their albums track by track. Uh, season one was Nine Inch Nails, and this season the Diamond Dice roll, and they tell us what year and what album to go to to talk about David Bowie's work. The Diamond Dice have rolled. The big album we're going to be talking about is Aladdin Sane from 1973. But before we can dive into that, step back a little bit and do this B-side, a bonus episode where we talk about another collaboration between him and Iggy Pop. He produced it, he mixed it, it is the album Raw Power by Iggy and the Stooges, and I am but a humble, humble, humble co-host, Eric Anderson. Uh, With me, of course, is Stephen Chambers. Hello. Many, many miles across from him, Mark Branstad. Hello there, out in radio land. That's right. So... Um, we'll just kind of break in format. We're going to get into this this project because this was the first of the collaborations between uh, Bowie and Iggy Pop. But uh, and it was the third album by Iggy and the Stooges, who started out in Detroit, caught the ears of of Bowie, and uh, they shared a manager, Mr. Main Man, um, who helped out with his album as well. Um, and uh, it was released in kind of a bomb, a flop when it was released but kind of grew to be a cult favorite. It's actually the one and only Iggy Pop album I bought on vinyl before this whole project began. Do you guys have any history with this album? I do not. Um, if anything, I've always heard about how uh, influential and informative this album is to the punk music genre, um, but I myself didn't dive into it until... Um, preparation for this episode i had heard the uh the search and destroy song first track off the record but um off of it was probably featured in some movie or something like that or could have been a cover from somebody else uh i'll tell you exactly the moment do you remember do you remember when the pirates attack in steve zizu in the life aquatic that's probably where i got it from yep that that's where they that's where that's a great use of that song yep so there it is. That's how I first heard about this particular song then. Um, but Raw Power was something that I was saw written up in Rolling Stone magazine or other musicians basically saying uh, one of their favorite records of all time and this and that. And if uh, by doing some of the research, uh, it kind of ties into our last episode. Apparently, this was one of Kurt Cobain's, if not his favorite album of all time. Yeah, yeah I, I don't I can have, see that. I I I've always known, of course, that it's revered, and I feel like the Stooges was always one of those bands I was supposed to listen to more that I didn't. Uh, yeah, but a lot of the artists I've always grown up loving, for example, Guns N' Roses cover um, they cover one of these tracks on the Spaghetti Incident, and when we get to that song, I'll talk about it for a minute. And yeah, you've all you always heard about the Stooges, even if you didn't listen to them. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I became, if anything happened on this podcast, besides, uh, doing, dissecting all these Bowie records and growing to love most of them more, I find myself becoming a pretty big Iggy pop fan. I've always liked Iggy pop to an extent, but I never like considered myself a, like a real fan. And I think after the podcast is done, I will say I'm a, I'm a Iggy pop guy. Now, a lot of that's because the idiot, uh, a lot of that's because I cheated and I listened ahead to uh, lust for life. And also a lot of that's because of this record. And I will go back and check out the other two Stooges albums more in depth uh, in my own time after listening to this one. 
This one was a, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I probably saw it on like a list of the top 10 for like proto punk albums. I picked it up and, and, and I definitely liked it right away. Um, uh, kind of like no matter where my taste in music ventures, I always like if it's somehow at the same time sloppy and edgy, but also catchy like that. That's kind of my sweet spot. And um, this has a lot of that. Um, so, yeah, I've had the I, I've been a fan of this album for a long time. Um, so I was I was excited to talk about it. Um, uh, but uh, I think because this is what I associate Ig- Iggy Pop with, I didn't listen to a lot of the other the kind of like the more solo stuff that he did because it's such a departure. And because of that, I missed out entirely on the idiot until we talked about it. So, um, um, you know, still definitely showing his worth as a performer and a songwriter in a lot of his later work as well. Um, and so this one, though, it was recorded after the original Stooges broke up. Correct. And they they got back together and uh, like David Bowie kind of like helped get this album made, if I understand correctly. And it didn't have all of the original Stooges on it. Uh, some, I guess that the, the bassist was having trouble with booze. And so, uh, yeah, they, that was why it was re- reformed as the, the Iggy and the Stooges because it wasn't necessarily the Stooges. Yeah. The, uh, the lineup on this bad boy, we got Iggy pop doing lead vocals and he plays piano on a couple tracks, um, and we'll get into it, but he completely remixed this album in 97 and completely changed it. And we'll get into that. Uh, James Williamson. And Ron and Scott Ashton, um, were were all founding members. Uh, we're not going to go into the the history of the Stooges right now, but for a band that only released a few albums, it sure seems like they had a couple of uh, lineup shifts in a short amount of time. So yeah. David Bowie was already he was already hanging out with Iggy Pop, and he produced this record. To me, it doesn't sound like when I think of Iggy or when I think of the Idiot or I think of um, Transformer. Those sound like David Bowie had a huge hand in it. I don't really know what he was doing on this record besides hitting record. But you said that there's a couple of different mixes of this album uh, that, yeah, that are well yeah, known. Yeah, there are. So um, believe it or not, and this was one of Bowie's first like, I mean, he always had a hand in production. That's why he always uh, mostly got a co-producer credit on his records. But, um, you know, as far as doing other people's work, this was definitely, um, I don't know if this is his first one, but this was early in Bowie's career and collaboration um but believe it or not he did sauce this one up a little bit um according to him um they were using old old machinery like um like from the 50s uh recording equipment from 20 years old Bowie liked to stay on the cutting edge so um he did the uh, basically, basically the best he could with like archaic technology um he tried to bring in some like boxes and effects pedals that were more new but yeah the the, the um Essentially, the mixer was was all very, very old. Um, and uh, yeah, he came in and, and the band was, you know, falling apart. Um, uh, Iggy Pop's uh, addiction to heroin was pretty hardcore and Bowie had uh, had intervened just before this album. Um, and the band had broken up. You're absolutely right about that. Um, but yeah, so what happened was Bowie did this and he, he gave it some tweaks and some you know, he, he, you can't really tell when you listen to the original version because it's still so sloppy and it definitely sounds like a garage band. I mean, it's, it's mixed. It's very guitar heavy. A lot of the stuff's muddied in the, in the mix. Um, for those of you that like a really good, like sonically produced album, 
Um, you're gonna, you're, you might, this album might drive you crazy the way it sounds. Um, uh, I think it's awesome from like a garage rock, garage rock perspective. Like as far as minimalism goes in punk rock, it definitely sounds like it should sound. However, in 1997, the record label were gonna, was going to re-release the album, and they gave um, Iggy Pop a chance to remix it. And he basically said, if I don't do this, the record label is going to do it, and they're going to screw it up. So he did it and tried to keep the spirit alive. What, it, what had happened in the meantime, between 73 and 97, was there were these, um, these uh, uh, rough power was what it was called. And it was just the, it was like just the raw mixes with none of the bells and whistles that Bowie added that circulated. And actually those gained a cult following as well. People really liked how sloppy that was. So Iggy Pop was gonna try to use modern technology in 97 to kind of match the spirit of those, those recordings. <laughs> And what you get is a kind of a chunky, you get a chunky result. He uses a lot of digital distortion and uh, probably Pro Tools effects to make it sound a little edgier than it sounded before. Um, the bass and the drums are a little bit more present. Um, so it has a bit of a clearer mix. But yeah, it's got a definite 90s crunch to the guitar, which is kind of off-putting. Um, ultimately, everybody involved said, we thought we didn't like Bowie's mix until we heard Iggy's mix and then we missed Bowie's mix. <laughs> So uh, I think the reason why it got a cult following was, you know, I, the band was super strong. Iggy Pop's uh, songwriting was super strong. And what Bowie did with it was he captured a sound from a time. And um, yeah, that's and so generally con the consensus is Bowie's mix is better, but you can find both are out there on all the streaming services. So um, and definitely worth checking out for the differences. And while, while you say cult following, I mean, yeah, this thing didn't light up the charts, but uh many musicians uh speak glowingly of it and anyone that looks like at a top like 58 rock albums of all time this is usually i think it's usually in there so it's a it's it's a milestone watershed record i think that's you know i don't have too much uh you know they recorded this thing in like a day um this whole album got recorded in a day um and uh it definitely was to a certain extent. They hit record and then Bowie added some stuff later in post. And uh, you got yourself an album. Search and destroy. Tell you one thing about this track it's covered by kmfdm what do you think about that oh <laughs> i can see it i can see it i don't know if i've heard it and i always right. i always uh i i uh, yeah this song is it's in a few movies i feel like it's in a few trailers too it's a good trailer song that the guitar if that you know you can see a bunch of youth gun running around wild onto that Whenever I think of the song, though, I always accidentally, at first, I think of Metallica's Seek and Destroy. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, that's a different song. Search and Destroy. That's this song. This is such a, like, especially the way his lyric, his vocals come in too. Um, 
I mean, I'll be the first to admit Iggy Pop can be an inconsistent vocalist. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that, but like, you know, you can tell when his heart's into singing sometimes, and sometimes it's more, you know, talking and getting and kind of fading into the music a little bit. But he just shows up and slaps his dick on the table and says, here I am. Like his vocal performance on this song is ballsy and 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 I and I enjoy it. Um it's a song about Vietnam War. Um and uh kind of the you know, in a way it's the way, you know, at, at the time young men were um you know exploited uh I guess by the army, but also the way that, you know, almost a antisocial personality can be drawn to the military and then the damage they do um overseas so um kind of like works on a couple levels um but it's still sounds like a fun ass song when you listen to it so despite the heavy uh the heavy um subject matter mark it yeah no it's a classic song um and what uh eric reminded me of the fact that it was in life aquatic I'm instantly just transported back to that that scene in the movie. Um, but even more than that, I had no idea that Kim FDM um, covered this song, but I could absolutely see that band doing this. And I'm also wondering if he still was able to shoehorn in uh, Kim FDM, you know, at any point in the, in the lyric. You know, he's got to name check his own band and everything that he does. So that's our Sacha. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah lyrically uh you're right it obviously has to do with the fact that uh search and destroy was first named as a military tactic in vietnam to seek out the enemy destroy them and withdraw so uh yeah and that street walking cheetah with his heart full of napalm um it's i mean my god if you could personify iggy pop in a kind of a descriptor of who he his persona is you would essentially apply that term to who he is as an artist um as noisy and as brittle and as garage rocky the production is um, i only listened to the bowie version i did not listen to iggy pop's remix um as god intended um so i, I it, it it's a good way to start the record um and I think I have listened to another Stooges record. I think I did listen to Funhouse, um, and or even their. I think I listened to even their self-titled one too. Those are both really good. Just hard rock meets garage rock meets proto punk um, records. Uh, and I like how Iggy Pop his vocals are just so different than what he's done than in his solo career. His solo career, he sings in the lower register. This one here, you've got kind of that sneeriness that's, you know, I hate to say it, kind of similar to what Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols kind of doing, um, but not as, I guess, annoying. Uh, you could definitely feel... I, I think he, the Stooges are from Detroit, and you, you definitely get that hint Correct. of uh, this kind of working class um group of kids uh who are just yes. yeah young toughs rather than yeah, that, just kind of constructed out of uh uh whatever to meet an image you know so yeah great uh, yeah, Stooges, Stooges and mc5 were were just just shoveling out this proto-punk garage rock stuff that we will talk about more when we talk about a lot insane but uh yeah that was a that was a cool scene 
You'd have to. Uh, you'd have. I, I can only imagine. Yeah, it seems like a cool scene. I I, I do. Um, I'm curious. I'm curious what Eric's going to say about Aladdin Sane, but uh, I I do find it the yeah the the Midwest vibe that you get from the younger Iggy Pop. I, I definitely draw a lot of parallels between him and young Axl Rose stepping off the bus in uh, the Welcome to the Jungle video. It, it definitely a uh, very similar vibe of you know, just these, these guys that were just raw, raw power that just wanted to rock that are from the Midwest or a trailer park out there. And uh, yeah, Iggy Pop was probably the first, first one of those, if you think about when rock and roll started and when, uh, yeah, the whole Detroit scene, there was a, there was a whole... Like that new, that new, like, yeah, proto-punk. Well, shit, there you go. That is proto-punk. So there you are. But uh, that's also why he never wore a shirt. But, yeah, the, the song... <laughs> Can't uh, stand it. Can't stand it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that, I love that I am the world's forgotten boy, the one who's searching, searching to destroy. I love the delivery of that. It's a good song. Uh, there's probably a reason we've all heard it a billion times, I think. It's definitely the most well-known song off this album. All right, that leads us into Gimme Danger. If you can hear a piano fall, you can hear me coming down the hall. If I can dust the old pretty voice, I don't think I need to see at all. I think I need to see Nothing in my dream, just some ugly memory. Hit me like the ocean breeze Now if you will be my lover I will shoot her Give Me Danger is in uh, in my limited Stooges knowledge There's definitely something about the Stooges And there's definitely something about Iggy Pop That reminds me of The Doors and Jim Morrison, and "Gimme Danger" is definitely one of those songs to me. It really has a a, 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 a Doors vibe. Do you feel that at all, Mark? I do with the textures that the song has, and kind of uh, where I think you probably get that connection is that Iggy Pop is absolutely singing with a lot of confidence and swagger that Jim Morrison kind of did with his Lizard King persona, um, just kind of oozing that. Uh, sexuality <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. There, well there's that there's that and there's also the absence of a shirt which i guess is a sexuality sure. thing but also leather pants uh, sometimes they would b- leather pants and also a lot of times words uh didn't matter as much as just kind of uh get, getting the intent of the uh the melody across so there's like some some do bopping and ski dopping and you'll just be like little sister but da 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 you know that yeah. That, that rambly vibe, they both have it sometimes. So some of this stuff, this this album as a whole, I feel that a young uh, Joshua Hame from Queens of the Stone Age uh, was absolutely in love with this album because you can see the influences all throughout. Um, that first track being a balls to the wall rocker, and then this one gives you a little bit more of that uh, kind of texturized acoustic guitar um, with him kind of singing that gimme danger you know it, mm-hmm. I, I, I get that feeling quite a bit as I listen to this record and you can see how it does 
lay down the blueprints, the roadmap for uh, the artists that we listen to today. Um, I like this song. I think it's a pretty strong song. Yeah, it's uh, uh, and it's fitting. It's fitting that you bring him up as a reference because forty years later, he was on one of the last few Iggy Pop albums that came out these last few years. That, that yeah, Josh it's actually Homme. a pretty solid record. That post-pop um, depression record. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, what do you got to say, Eric? Yeah, so this is one of the ones that has the biggest Bowie influence. Like Bowie brought in some of his new technology to lay through the acoustic guitar to give it like that that just a little bit more ambience um in depth than i think almost any other song on this album um i think it's yeah i think it's a great mix um the iggy pop mix brings out some of the other textures um but you can still hear them in the original one they're they're um definitely just kind of create a a kind of a layer of uh quiet but fuzz and and it just definitely adds a lot to the song um song itself is you know just looking for some of that strange pussy to make you forget about uh your problems um but uh (laughs) that's what it's about but um it's a uh it's a it's a pretty song and i agree it's a great number two um number three is Originally titled Hard to Beat, and they changed it for the release, and it's called Little Pretty Face is Going to Hell. This is a kind of a bluesy shredder. Um, He goes blues a couple tracks on this album. Um, He throws a growl on his voice, which is like um, kind of unheard of the rest of the album. Kind of interesting. Uh, what do you think about this I song? like the, his uh, vocal uh, style to his I'm not afraid of you voice from Crow 2. Uh, definitely in that lower register. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, that is, that is uh, I think that's on streaming on IMDb TV oh, for wow. free right now. I was thinking about <laughs> giving it a spin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it does have a little... Uh, bluesy type guitar work a little screechy scrunchy kind of thing that's happening at the beginning um and uh i don't really have a whole lot to say about this one um but uh his vocal style really did remind me of i'm not afraid (laughs) a little more scorched earth delivery i like that this one first of all there is a there is an adult swim show called your pretty face is going to hell um it's it's like a it's like the office, but people the office workers that work in hell. It's pretty funny. Um, just uh, just uh, giving go. a nod to that. Um, yeah, and this song is actually not dissimilar from stuff that he was writing about on the idiot. Iggy Pop has always wrote, written really sad love songs, even if they don't sound sad. Um, uh, I need a lover with an alibi. Um, what does he say here? Uh, a lot of stuff about like, wait till I get my hooks in you. Um, it's, he always like starts a song like, you know, I'm interested in you, but I'm going to ruin you. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take your pretty face to hell. Um, and that's what the song's about. And the fact that it was, uh, um, titled hard to beat, uh, I mean, is that kind of a play on the whole, you have such a pretty face that it's 
it's hard to beat. Is there any sort of domestic? <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I'm, I, I honestly am asking oh. this question sincerely. Yeah. I don't know if that was the connection. Like your yeah. pretty face is going to hell. And the fact that it was originally titled hard to beat, like, is this not a. Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. I, I, it's, I guess it's possible. It makes me think of that. Uh, what was that? Uh, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Adam Sandler movie. When like he'd ever he gets sweet with his girlfriend. Oh, you're so pretty. I just can't want to beat your face oh, yeah. with a uh, fucking baseball bat. Love. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unstrung love. Mattress there man. You go. Say that's um, that. Uh, penetration. Ooh. Uh, Penetration, I don't have a lot to say about this song, except, like, that sexy crooner voice is, is here. Like, he is putting on the sexy swagger on the song big time. He's hitting some higher register. Um, and, uh, it's basically, yeah, it's a, it's, it's just an erotic little song about getting excited, uh, with somebody. And I guess the different ways they can, people can penetrate you, uh physically or otherwise and that's it i mean it's a very simple i mean iggy pop you know isn't his lyrics are deep but they're never complex it's he's definitely more of a working man's lyricist than than bowie i mean um so this one's pretty pretty straight out most you know songs are always about sex in some sort of fashion i mean this is just straight up called penetration i mean there's so many inferences about that uh i do like this song because it's it has a little bit of atmosphere kind of reminds me a little bit of uh um kind of the not so much the the style of it but something that you would see from like black rebel motorcycle club um just something with a little bit of atmosphere not as so straightforward of uh you know slam bam 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 about you know fucking or anything like that it's just it has like a arty way of, of doing it. Now I, I do appreciate, but I don't have a whole lot to say in terms about the lyrical content. It just sounds like a dangerous song about sex. And, um, you know, I like it. it. I like what it's trying to do here. It's not trying to do too much. Um, but for whatever reason, the melody still kind of sticks with me like peanut butter. It's a, it's a sex groover. That's all. That's what it is. It's a, it's a sex groover. Uh, yeah, we're flipping our disc over and apparently. Iggy Pop and, and Bowie and whoever created this sequence for this album got the message that side two should start as strong as side one. And w- that brings us a little tune called Titular Rob Howard. This song is near perfect for what they're trying to do. And I, I think it definitely could be a mission statement for the whole album, if not the, uh, the band. It's, uh, 
the, 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 the synchronicity between the title tra- the title of the song and how the song sounds is very on point. It's a, it's a depth charge. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, this, this one is actually pretty fun listen either way you take it. Um, the Bowie one sounds great. It's it's just as raw, no pun intended, and like uh, and hard as, as Search and Destroy. But it's also got these piano clinks that uh, that Iggy's playing, just slamming the piano. Just um, basically, if there was ever any question, if anybody could play the piano like it was a guitar right before smashing it on the stage, that's the sound they're going for in this one. Um, it's got a good sound. The Iggy pop remix is kind of interesting in itself. I think it was almost a single in its own right. Um, he just brings out the guitar a lot in that one, um, worth listening to. Uh, but um, it's a cool song. And what's kind of cool about this one, too, is just like the last song and a couple other songs on here, it is also a song about, um, you know, uh, his addiction um, and love and sex, like all kind of coming together at once and just kind of like having a partner that will go through um you know, through these, 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 these phases of, of, of drugs and emotions with you. Um, but it's got, the difference is it's got some pretty sweet little lyrics in here. Like dance to the beat of the living dead, lose sleep, baby, and stay away from bed. Um, just, uh, I just really, just for some really cool, cool lyrics here. Um, and, you know, look in the eyes of a savage girl, fall deep in love with the underworld. Um, I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's, uh, it's good at even, you know, raw power is a guarantee OD. Raw power is laughing at you and me. So as much as we're getting out of it, what this force is much stronger than both of us. It's um, it's, uh, it's cool. It's a cool song to read the, read the lyrics to. But uh, I enjoy this. Yeah, one. Yeah, I enjoy this one, too. It's, uh, it's a good little title track. Um, I do really recognize the symmetry between this song and Search and Destroy. Um, and the little piano clinks uh, again i'm going to bring up queens of the stone age it reminds me of a slowed down version of go with the flow off songs for the deaf um and uh yeah uh, steve this is the song that gnr covered right <laughs> yes yeah. yeah of course all right next track he's going to take us back down to the blues with i need somebody a good uh, sister song to your pretty face is going to hell um it does sound like a bar blues song but it's 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 grimier it's got a much you know harder tempo to it i don't think um uh nothing about it seems like dad rock uh, but it's definitely built around a blues riff um 
And the song itself is like, he's picking up trashy ladies, threatening to ruin them. Uh, but he's sad about it. He doesn't believe he deserves any more than that. And um, just a great grimy blues song. I enjoy it. I think it sounds like it could have been on The Idiot, actually. Okay. I can see that. I can see that if they added a little bit more texture to it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just the the, the pacing of it. Not the, not the exact instruments played. But I think this definitely you could... You could do a version of this on the idiot and, and turn it into an idiot song, just like uh, you know David Bowie would take songs off the idiot and turn them into David Bowie songs. Some of the songs off the idiot definitely have a woozy, dizzy kind of feeling to them, and this one would fit right into that feeling. Um, I guess the Columbia Records um, requested that there was something that was something able to be played on radio, and apparently this is kind of an answer to doing that. Um, I think it's a great song. It is probably a little bit more accessible than what you would see on the rest of the record. Um, it's very catchy. And uh, yeah, it's a good song. An ultimate track on this album, Shake Appeal. Much like Raw Power, I think Shake Appeal is another song that shows that these guys like their Jerry Lee Lewis or their Little Richard. Has that, has that, has that, that yeah, piano he, drive he, he to Pop it. Pop even said that too. Oh yeah. That this was his closest that he was going to get to being Little Richard for a minute. Yeah, I mean this song isn't about a lot. Just Shake Appeal. So hot and so low. Talking about butts. Girls dancing and their butts. That's, I mean... The lyrics to this are, so they take minimalism to a new extreme. There is not, there, I mean, baby, gotta have a bite. <laughs> I mean, that's it. There, there's not a lot to the song lyrically. Um, it does, like, it's pulling up a nostalgic rock, absolutely a, a, a 50s, you know, 60s uh, rock sound and uh, doing it Stooges style, which is going to be a little bit edgier than that. Um, but, uh yeah, I mean, with the exception of move so fast, move so fast, move away the misery. Uh, that's about as deep as this song gets. I appreciate the hand claps. That's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that brings us to our closing track, Death Trip. Death Trip's a pretty interesting track. It's definitely a closing track. It's kind of a jam out. It, it, it doesn't have a lot of structure. Uh, and and there, there's, there, there, there's, there's moments and sec- sections of just some jam instrumentation to where this, this to me sounds like they didn't even write this song. They just started playing and they recorded it. That's the kind of vibe I get with it as far as the, the musicianship goes. Yeah, it's a uh, six-minute, just a big shreddy song. Um, 
looking at the lyrics, it's funny. The uh, they must have train spotting must have got sick boy from this song because he refers to himself as sick boy a lot in this song. And they obviously, I mean, Iggy Pop's a huge part of train spotting with all the references and the actual music in it. Um, and it's basically and about drug you. Of course, yeah, and it's basically about a destructive relationship between two drug addicts wanting somebody to comfort him as he slowly, slowly dies. Um, and uh, but you, you know, hearing it, it's still a fun track. Like you said, it's definitely very sloppy. They were they they hit a groove in the studio, hit record, and built something around it. Um, but uh, it's definitely a fun way to close the album. It, it ends the album with a little was bit this of gravitas. The last album that he did with the Stooges before then branching out on solo. I think it was, right? Well, they already broke up once. The only reason I bring that up is that um, because Iggy Pop, I I pulled this quote um, about this song. I knew we were going down and I knew no one was going for it because there are all sorts of weaknesses. The lyrics of Death Trip are my way of saying, I know what's happening to us. I know what we're doing. Here's why. And I'm going to sing about it. So it seemed like. Yeah. Yes, you're correct. Yes. Last album until 77. But yeah, I mean, this song is kind of a messy end um, to it. And, uh, you know, it fits yeah. perfectly where it's at on the record. And I don't mind it. It's just kind of a noisy jam. Um, that's fine. It's all right. For what? For how sloppy it is, it should not have as many cool and iconic moments for rock and roll. And uh, I think it deserves its reputation. I agree. I agree. They li- it lives up to its reputation. Uh, I'd, give it a, I'd give it a three out of five if I was ranking it. Uh, I'll, pro- I'll probably I, I'm sure I listened to their earlier albums before at least once but I'll definitely go back and do it more diligently this go round I give it a 4 out of 5 um, a lot of that's nostalgia there are some um, some definitely just songs that you just know they just threw out there not a lot of thought went into them which I think holds it back from being a perfect album I would never call it that um, but there's no denying the the uh the whole of this album 2.5 um i didn't hate it i thought that it's just uh not my particular cup of tea not something that i would seek out um if i'm in the mood for it is certainly something as uh it's amusing for an appetizer to kind of get yourself a little bit of a framework about what bowie was up to and who he was working with um but it's a 2.5. I appreciate all of the influence that it eventually wrought, um, but it's not something that uh, I consider something that I would seek out on a rainy day. Well, all right. Well, that's that, that about wraps up this little B-side, and uh, we will see you next time for discussion of the, uh, the, uh, the main course, Aladdin Sane. Yes, the, the piano work on Aladdin Sane is not in the style of Little Richard. I can't wait to talk about it. <laughs>